Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Dune. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about games. We talked about a game last time, which is good because we're not talking about a game for like the rest of the fucking year. There's so many yeah. things coming out, right? Um, and today is no different. Today, we are talking about the latest uh, Denis Villeneuve movie dune uh that just released on hbo max and in theaters simultaneously which both mango and i have seen in theaters i watched it in like the dolby special theater that i've talked about before on the podcast and you just watched it in a regular old regular person movie theater yeah i mean it was it was a large it was a large theater right it's not like one of these tiny theaters okay um but yes um also relevant um Buddy read half of Dune long ago and doesn't remember it. I have very yep. recently read the first four Dune books. Um, I remember very little about Dune <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so going into it. So uh, before spoilers, um, Buddy, what are, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts? My pre-spoiler thoughts are this movie is amazing. I love every fucking frame of it. I, I had such a good time. And I, and I want to and I want to be clear. I had I had such a good time, and I think that there are problems that I'm sure we're going to talk about, and that I'm sure we'll you know like we'll agree on. I I've kind of agreed with a lot of the discourse around like like Dune and why people aren't necessarily connecting with Dune, but I also just think that everything else is so good that it makes up for it like far and away, right? And I sort of disagree with some of the the more kind of. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'd call them inflammatory takes, right? Like I think Dune is a very, very good film, even if the even if it has quite a number of issues um, that like make it not perfect, right? Uh, just because like the stuff that is good is just so good. And I was like, man, I don't know. I also do want to add a quick note. I think Dune on HBO Max. Pro I haven't watched it on HBO Max. I don't know, but I think it will probably suck. And this is the kind of movie that movie theaters are built for, and I would highly, highly recommend everyone go see this in a theater because it's just like, man, it's just like I, I, w I was living for this movie. It, this it is, is a cinematic movie. That I movie. wanted to come back to watching theaters in for, like four, right? Like that. It was ah, oh, it was this kind of thing. Um. All right. So that's I, I think I think that's a very reasonable take. Um, I, on the other hand, am going to have, like, I thought it was a very beautiful movie. Um, but I was, this, this is going to be a classic kind of like the book's better and mm. I'm having trouble getting past it. Um, like a lot of the stuff, like the movie just doesn't have enough time to, um, to like bring out the texture of what makes Dune great, which is kind of like the, the, like the nuance and the politics in the world. Um, um, also, uh, I have some specific complaints that we'll get into. I've been following the discourse, so I don't know what the uh, what the what the, the, the general discourse is. Um, you know, I actually I don't know what Rotten Tomato. I just kind of like know what my Twitter feed says. Like, what is the Rotten Tomatoes on Dune? Yeah, no, my, my, my Twitter feed has said watch it in IMAX and then like various forms of positive with yep. like maybe. Yeah, Lou says in the chat, I've read uh, everything I've read on this says to not watch it on HBO Max, which of course is countered immediately thereafter by HBO Max for life. <laughs> um, Oof, he's, but, he's, he's stuck uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, see, Dune, I, people really like Dune. It's 83% and 90, 91% audience score. That's actually really yeah, good. No, I, I mean, I kind of expected this not to connect with people as much as 
Even, like, you know, I think connected with me. I think it's uh, uh I think it's a it's a really good movie. I just like like I'm I'm I just I recognize that I am being unfair since I just don't sure. like you know the stuff in the book. And I think there's some stuff that they did well, but like I think that's a good place to leave the pre-spoiler stuff. Absolutely. Um, spoilers, spoilers for the. First four books, I guess. Um, although, unless if you don't want me to spoil it for you, buddy, I can also hold back on those. Um, no, let's talk about it. I want to know. I want to know all of, like the intricate details that like I'm I'm missing by not having read the book before. Um, uh, still, case okay, so spoilers for the first four books potentially. Uh, spoilers for uh, the movie. Um, have you seen the David Lynch movie? Because I have not. I have not seen the David Lynch. Movie. All right, so no spoilers I think, for I that think movie. It was maybe in the background when I was in college, and we like there's a lot of those like movies that I watched in college, but I was mostly just hanging out with people, um, and maybe this was one of those. But I don't remember the David Lynch movie at all. Okay, um, but yeah, let's let's get into it. What do you what do you what what do you want to talk about first? I guess my so my core thing that I think is not great about the movie is that it, it doesn't have a like a sort of like like a traditional plot structure that kind of crescendos and climaxes, right? The the it kind of just feels like the movie is just telling the story. The story is just chugging along and then all of a sudden it fades to black. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that is that is that is one review that I saw, which was it is definitely one half of a good movie, right? Like yeah. <laughs> um uh which I think and like, like I think I disagree with that to a certain extent, right? Like, it didn't feel quite as clean as the example that I'm about to give, which is, like, Lord of the Rings or, like, The Hobbit, right? Both of which are had, had a first installment that kind of had, like, a um, like a clear end point, right? But that end point did sort of, like, leave the rest of it kind of feeling a little bit, like, incomplete or whatever. But, like, you know there's a follow-up, so you kind of just, like, sort of, like, let it go. I don't think Dune was really marketed as the first half right, okay. of the movie right. um, compared to the sort of the trilogy that you walk into with Lord of the Rings, right? We all know Lord of the Rings was going to be a trilogy. We all knew the Hobbit movie was going to have sequels or whatever, right? Um, so those movies kind of ending abruptly sort of, like, felt... A little bit better than it felt like in Dune, uh, but you know it was it was a very similar sort of feeling, right? Where it was pretty clear that the core drama had yet to be resolved in the way that you know, in the in like those two movies. So I don't really think that's a huge downer. Really, I think the the tough part is there is a lack of a real kind of climax, right? Yeah. Um, because even in like Lord of the Rings, right? Like even in Fellowship of the Ring, there's a real climax to that story where the Fellowship dissolves, Boromir tries to steal the ring, right? You know, you you have that feeling of crescendo, even though the story is fundamentally incomplete, and we all know that there's more to it after this sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, making kind of centering the climax being about uh, Paul. God, it's so weird that his name is just normal. It's just Paul. It's not something like sci-fi, like oh, Pythenios yeah. or something, right? You know, like or you know, like like uh, Leto or you know uh, Duncan, right? Like, like yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Duncan Idaho was pretty funny because is it just spelled Idaho? Like yeah, the U.S. state. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking I was like, what? Idaho? What? Like I, that, that was so. That so was, there's you know. there's a lot of little stuff in the books that's kind of like. This is clearly like a reference to Earth that existed at one point, but like no one really remembers. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Like, um, like there's like the Orange Catholic Bible, which I think is like mostly like the regular Bible, but not quite. Um, it's not really explicated or explained like what what makes a difference. Uh, but um, 
uh, uh, to to uh, your point, right? Like that. Uh, it's it's. I don't know. It's I. So my, my biggest problems with the movie again are, are are things that that. Oh, the climax thing. Um, I think the climax was supposed to be the fall of 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 Arrakis to the Harkonnens. Um, and I think yeah, see the thing is is that feels like the inciting incident that does not feel like the climax. Yeah, no, right? I like. I think, like, I think maybe this should have been, like, so I honestly think it should have been a prestige television series, although I don't, you can't get, like, the... Okay, I do disagree with that take, but sure. Uh, so, structurally, right, like, I, I get, yeah. I get your, like, you know, cinematic whatever, right, like, you know, it should have been a prestige TV series that you could only see in theaters or something, right, like, the old yeah, yeah, series, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, that's my core problem. When people say this should have been a prestige TV series, I, I think that kind of suggests all else being equal, which, you know, fair enough, right? Yeah. Sure. If we have a cinematic budget and all of these amazing movie stars yeah. giving amazing movie star performances with amazing, you know, movie cinematography and sound, at, you know, like, yes, sure, I would agree that it should be a prestige TV series. But the reality is if it was a prestige series, a lot of those things would have taken hits that I would not be willing to sacrifice. I would much rather the plot be worse than lose, like, Oscar Isaac and Timothy Chalamet, right? Just like all of the, like every single actor in this was so good. It should have been 12 hours long is, is what I'm yeah. really saying. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but but um, to, to, to your point, like, I don't know. I think maybe like, like just do, disagree with you a little bit. Like I agree with like the, the, the set dressing was all great, but like, again, the thing that I think makes Dune great is kind of like the texture of the politics of the world. And I think that that's a better fit for a, a prestige television series. Sure. Um, or maybe like, I don't know. This movie, like, this movie that ends in, or, like, you know, like, a series that has, like, movies to do, like, the big moments or something stupid like that. I, I don't know. Um, but um, my, my single biggest problem is, uh, is and this is this is a very book-direct comparison thing, is that they, they screwed up Jessica's character okay. so much. Like, she is, like, such a worse character in the movie. They also Wow, did, that's really interesting. Okay. So, like, in the books... And I, I think I, I understand the reason for it, right? In the book, she's, like, kind of, like, stone cold, like, um, and not, not that she doesn't care about Paul, but she would never outwardly show it, right? Like, watching Jessica cry was, like, like, that's not this character, right? And, like, like watching her, like, like she is just every bit as, like, badass and, like, politically savvy as any other character, more so even. Um, and she seems kind of, like, like, for lack of a better term, it seems like they, like, like, Fridged her? That's, like, the right term, right? Like, maybe that's not the right term. But, like, they, they like, made her more stereotypically a woman, which was, like, weird. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that, I don't think that's quite... Fridging is when you kill a woman character. Okay. To kind of make her, like, a plot object, right, in a, in a guy's... You know, it, it comes from comics um, where, you know, there was, uh, there was a Green Lantern comic, and Green Lantern's girlfriend is just abruptly murdered so that he can have some drama or whatever. Okay. And it's kind of like discarding a female character, right? You know, for the purposes of like some, some guy that's like kind of grossness behind what fridging means. Okay. But you know, they, they basically made her more stereotypically woman um, and made her less badass, which really rubbed me the wrong way. Right. Like, wow. Okay. Um, I like, would definitely describe her as a badass, right? Like, um, I mean, so I, I think I think part of this is maybe that like so, the books are kind of weird, right? In a lot of ways, um, and like, like Herbert definitely had some like very like 
you get all the way to the fourth book and you get some weird fucking stuff about like Frank Herbert's thoughts about how like the world works, right? Um, okay. <laughs> uh, like you get like a, a, a child wearing worm skin talking, like basically being like, like, uh, like, uh, basically being a giant fascist and being like, you'll thank me later. Um, and effectively he like, he's a, t- he's, he's right. Like, it's like, I need to be a terrible person. So humanity can survive. It's, it's a weird fucking series. Um, uh, but like, like, I don't know. It just seemed like the idea that Jessica would cry like during that scene doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and part of this is that like you do get that she's like like nervous, but that's all internal monologue in the book, right? Like outwardly she wouldn't show it, right? Like, okay. um, and like and like uh, the idea that like she's like uh, this is another little thing, but like um, at the end uh, at the end where she's like Paul needs to get off planet, like she would. She would have already have thought of what Paul said, right? Like, like that that kind of thing, right? Like, and and that's not a, a huge like that particular moment's not a huge deal, but like there's just lots of little things in here that I don't like. Like, I think they also did UA dirty the doctor, um, mm. uh, but like, this is not a huge huge deal. But like, um, in the book, he like basically knows that he's being taken for a ride, right? Like, he's like, I am almost positive that the Baron's lying to me, but I absolutely have to know, right? Like. Um, that is how much I love my wife, right? So, like, sure. which is, like, slightly different here, which is where he's just, it seems like he's kind of duped, right? So, um, which is, again, not a huge deal. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a bit of that. He also obviously gives, um, you know, uh, God, who's the leader of House Atreides? Leto. Leto. Um, he gives Leto, like, the poison tooth to, like, fuck up the Baron as kind of a, an escape plan or whatever, you know, which would suggest a little bit more depth there. But I see what you mean for yeah. sure. Um, and I actually think that they did the tooth scene better than in the book. Um, so in the book, the Baron just basically runs out of the room and slams it behind him. Um, but it, and I, I, I thought the scene in the book, like, you know, like his death felt a little bit impotent, but it's, it's also, it's a little bit better in the book because David Desmaltian's character, um, gets more, gets more characterization and he dies as a result of the, of the poison tooth. So it doesn't feel quite so useless, um. As it would have if the Baron wasn't hurt at all in the, in the movie, um, <coughs> but um, uh, yeah. Um, what else is in here that um, either bothered me or I liked a lot? Oh, I really liked so the little mouse thing. That's mm. uh, that's so in the books um, when the like this will probably happen at the open of the next movie. So spoilers for the next movie probably. Um, uh, the Fremen say, what's your Fremen name going to be? And he sees, he points to one of the little mice and he says, what's that called? And he says, it's a Muad'Dib. And so he takes the name Muad'Dib. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and like, there's like, it's it's not as, in the text, it's, there's not as many, ref, like as many, um, it's not like brought up as much, right? Like there's like several like moments where it's clearly like focused on, which I think is a, is a thing that a movie can do better than a book, right? Like, you know. Use use that visual language to foreshadow stuff. Um, I thought it was really good, um, uh, and you know, oh, um, and there's just there's just so much little stuff that like you can't get right. Like, like there's I I like I I would have been probably happier if they even made this three movies. Like, um, there's a scene in the book where Leto has a party, right? Like he it's like a standard like affair, right? Um, and he's basically doing, like, 
things get done the same way as they did under the Harkonnens. And part of this involves, like, I think it's, like, washing the guests' feet, which is, like, super wasteful of water. This is another thing. This is the thing that I think they really got wrong. But, like, like, driving home just how valuable water is. It's, like, all over the book. It's, like, everything is, like, you know, what? Like, and they, they did an okay job. I see it, it's, you know... Water is never I, wasted. I definitely got the the sense that water was a precious resource. For sure. So right. it's precious, but like, it's like so precious that like someone crying is like, like it's not a thing you get right. Like this, this is a this is a big moment in the book. Is that um, Paul cries at, um, at, at I can't remember the character's name, Javis, the like the 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 guy he kills. He cries at his funeral, and this is like you give water to the dead and it's like seen as being super respectful, right? Because you're giving up your bodily, it's, it's a whole thing again, a little bit weird, but, um, yeah. Um, and I just like, I, I got that. Like, I, I think they did an okay job. I, just, it's, I don't think it was ideal. If that makes sense. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, I got caught up on a lot of these little things. Um, well, we talk about some some good stuff too. So I, I'm not okay, just like, yeah, I mean, about so the, the one thing that I, um, you know, okay, so somebody I've mentioned him on the podcast a million times, right? Patrick H. Willems. Patrick had a video last year, I think, which was, it, he called it, it was like saluting the gonzo class of blockbuster movies um, of like the 2010s, right? Which included Aquaman, uh, Mortal Engines, um, uh, v- Valerian, and the City of a Thousand Planets, right? Just, like, any one of these, like, big, huge sci-fi, Jupiter Ascending is another going on, just, like, these huge sci-fi movies, right? Most of which were critically reviled and box office bombs, except for Aquaman, which made a billion dollars or whatever. Um, but he talked about how, like, the thing he loves about these sort of these sorts of movies, right, is that just, like, every frame has him going, like, what's that? I need to know more about this. Tell me everything about, like, this thing, right? And in that sense, like, Dune is, like, the perfect Gonzo movie, right? There's so much stuff that's just, like, so cool all the time, right? Like, the function of the ornithopters, I was just, like, immediately invested in, right? Or just, like, honestly, like, the way that um, in the attack, you could see... It's the kind of stuff that, like, drew me as a kid to Star Wars, right? Like, the tangibility of sort of, like, the universe and its world building, right? Where, like, you could see the bullet fires from space, penetrates through the thing's shield, then it explodes and it's contained inside of the shield until the shield fails and it explodes outward. It's just, like, how cool is that concept, right? Is that idea, right? Or, like, the, the you know, like, the slow-moving things kind of get through your shield but fast moving things sort of like bounce off so they're all using melee weapons right like how how cool is this shit and i just like every five seconds it felt like in this movie there's just like something awesome to think about and to just go like oh that's so cool oh that's so neat right like the chris daggers and they're made out of the tooth of the sandworms just the sandworms as as they are they're just so fucking cool right and that's the stuff that just like oh it make it makes me i i like i just like you come out of those movies you, you're like energized you know in a way that um it makes me want to like run a million D campaigns all at once right you know like that kind of a thing and that's the that's like the underlying thing that just like makes dune you know compared to you know obviously i love Denis Villeneuve, sicario 
is like I still think Sicario is his best movie. Um, but like we did Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Like that movie is insane and it's insanely good. But I even wouldn't call that. But I don't think that's good in like the Gonzo way, right? Like the thing that makes that movie good are all character and theme and kind of the mystery and this idea that like you don't need to be a chosen one in order to be like a hero to save the world, right? Um, like that kind of stuff, right? Like all of that stuff is great. And none of that stuff is really in Dune, right? The best it seems you get in Dune is like be nice to indigenous people maybe i don't know like thematically what's going on with dune it's pretty straightforward there's not a done there right but just like god the world itself was so crazy and expressive that i loved it so fucking much now i don't know I just well, no that's, that, that's that's definitely fair and that's like like 90 percent of that like awesome crazy world building that you don't quite understand is also in in the is, is also in the books yeah, right so true. like and, and it's that's, a lot easier in a book to have like a couple of pages where someone explains the function of a still suit right you know like in minute detail versus spending a minute and a half on it in a movie in a movie spending a minute and a half on that feels like wasteful no i mean but, but the book the book still like you know yes there is some more de- there is more detail in the books but the, it also has that level of kind of like this is referenced but not explained right like like oh, sure. the head of every chapter is um it's usually from from like it's it's in like almost all the or all the books I've read the head of the chapters are like a quote from a book that's written about the event that you're like the event that's the plot of the book in the future right so like and obviously that gives away like you know that you know like like the the basic resolution right like um like the a lot of the he- chapter headings in dune is princess Erlon who is the emperor's daughter writing about Paul being the emperor because spoilers, it works out, right? Like, you know, yeah. Paul forces the emperor to marry him off to one of his daughters. Um, and you don't like get the little details there, but like, you know, you get kind of like, you know, Oh, this is like, and like the, the Butlerian Jihad is mentioned. It's not really gone into until like, it's not gone into until like his son writes a book about it, like writes books about it. Um, but that's why there are no computers. Um, is because they like made AIs at one point, and then there was a big war, and AIs were banned, um, and that's basically all you get about it, right? It's it's like referenced and invoked, and like you know certain like computational things are taboo, but that's about all you get. And so so yes, that, that is that is a strength of the series. Um, and I you know I will say that Denis uh, Denis definitely added to it, right? Like that like the the bomb thing you were talking about. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing that's really described in the book. Like I I think I have some idea of what it's supposed to be referencing, but like it's that's Obviously, the visual language does a lot more for it, um, and like yeah. Herbert's not the type of guy to discuss things in like excruciating detail, um, especially even like battle scene stuff. Right? Like the books, the book is very like um, not political in, in kind of like the like commentary sense, but just like about like it's a political drama. If that like makes a, yeah about about the politics in the same way Game of Thrones. Might yes, be, right? yes, like, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in a way that I, I think um, wasn't covered as deeply as i would have liked to in the movie but you know you've got you've only got so much time and it is a space epic so you know yeah i mean i do think i had a very good sense of you know like the political intrigue and everything with the emperor i didn't feel like any of that was underexplained. explained or no, so you know i'm sure there's way more of it in the that, book yeah that's what i mean a lot, like a lot more cat and mouse and back and forth yeah like the political machinate like the, like the the politics in the movie are fine and functional it's just that like it doesn't have all the depth and nuance and you know, uh, intrigue that you, that are, that are very present in, in, uh, in the books. Um, 
But you know, like 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 you said, you can, you just can't unless unless you're doing a prestige TV series, you just can't do it that way. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, what else? God, that's interesting. But yeah, because because I I thought that the you know um, like the the Harkonnen, you know Atreides sort of like rivalry and you you got the sense that the duke knew what was coming right you know he talks about like oh like i should have married you or whatever and he was like i'm, I'm actually a, like i'm actually curious do you understand like what that was about like i do i probably don't understand the specifics i just i realized that they were not formally married and like because you know she's referred to as his concubine right rather than his wife um and uh, and I didn't know any of the details. I mean, can he not marry the Berejizet or whatever they're called? Berejizet. No, no, it's not that. So he okay. chooses not to. So this this is this is this is a this is one of these cool political nuances, right? He does not marry her because him being single means he can he can like negotiate alliances better because the other houses think that like maybe they can like marry into him, right? Like um, even though like he's not like you know. Like we know he's never going to because Jessica is his one true love forever, right? Yeah. Um, um, and like that—that's his like the the fundamental like character. Like Leto is a good man, and his biggest mistake is not marrying Jessica. And like you know, at the end of the day, it's not you know the it's it's a very practical political thing, and that's like his only his only kind of like moral failing. And, and at the end of the day, it's not that bad. As contrast, I loved I every second. I was actually really afraid at first, to be honest. I was a little like I thought that this was going to be the kind of like getting daddy's love sort of movie because it seemed like it was going in that direction right where it was like oh no like you know paul is going to be training and he has this big destiny that he has to like train up for and his dad is going to be like shitty about it but like eventually he'll get that like begrudging dad whatever and i was like i was like gearing myself for that and then they have this conversation out in this and just like all these landscapes right like in this and it must have been urns or something like these um yeah, you know, like gravestones. I'm assuming, like crypts or whatever. Tombs is what I'm trying to say. Um, and he says, you know, like you will. You, and then, and then Paul goes, well, what if I can't be that stuff? He goes, well, then you'll be the only thing I ever needed you to be, my son. And I literally cried. I burst into tears. I was like, first of all, just because the moment was legitimately touching. But secondly, because I was so happy that the movie didn't do the thing I was really scared it was going to do that I thought was really fucking hacky. And I was just like, man, <laughs> I love this. That, that, that He's just like a good dad. That moment was in the trailer, which I think Robin did some of its emotional impact. Oh, okay. I did um, not see whatever that trailer was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you, right? Like, you know, like I said, L Leto's thing is he's a good dude, um, and uh, that stands in stark contrast to like almost every other character, um, especially as time <laughs> goes on, um, uh, and like, like you know, in, in in the vein of like Frank Herbert has some like weird beliefs, right? Like, like. In some respects, like, Leto being such a good dude is why he gets himself killed. And, like, maybe he should have been a little bit more ruthless, right? Like, um, uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's a weird series. Um, but, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I also, and, you know, honestly, honestly, this happened in a bunch of other places, too. The part where, uh, the part where, so the first time you meet Duncan, Idaho, right? Um, he and Paul just kind of do this big flying hug and it's great. And they have this great, and they're just, you tell they're such buds, you know, like, and then the second time 
when because Duncan goes first and then Paul meets Duncan later and they do that exact same hog. I also cried at that part. And I cried the third part where Duncan sacrifices himself, killing all those badass dudes. And I was just like, this movie is the greatest shit. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't I was just so in the like the emotional moment of it, right? Like you Maybe I I don't know, maybe it's just like the directing or the action or something, but I there's it was like I was just really invested in the emotional moment, even though I had just like met this character, right? Like I really felt that they had been apart for four weeks and it had been eating Paul alive. And he was just so happy to see his good bud, Duncan Idaho again. Right. I don't know. It's just like, it just like hit me in. It's, you know what it's like? It reminds me of fast and furious night. Right. I famously cried seven times during that movie. Right. And part of why that happens is because I have all of this buildup, right. You know, like all of these other movies, the Tokyo drift guys going to the barbecue at the end of the film, and then Han shows up, and they think Han died, right? They, they watched Han die in a big fiery car crash, right? And Han gives them all this great big hug. Obviously, I'm going to cry, you know? Like, uh, I'm really in it. But the thing is, Dune got me to that in one movie, right? Like, in that exact same space, in one film, right? Um, and I just, I don't know. There's something about... Um, I was thinking about like the actors, you know, a, a movie that I watched recently was the social network. Have you ever seen the social network? I'm sure. Right. Uh, I have not seen the social network actually. What? No way. They filmed that Hopkins. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, yeah. I just, <laughs> never got to seeing it. Yeah. So, I mean, so obviously the social network is set in Harvard, but you can't film on Harvard's campus. They famously right. won't allow anybody to film there. So people film on the Johns Hopkins campus cause they look marginally similar cause all the buildings are brick. Um, um, but anyway, I wouldn't say uh, marginally. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think. I think they're. I think they're like sim- Like. Like it makes like the same architectural style, right? It's not just a yeah. brick. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, but uh, but I was thinking about the Social Network, right? And I was thinking about how Justin Timberlake, Jesse Eisenberg, and Andrew Garfield all gave their best performances in this movie. I actually think I might have said that Andrew Garfield was better in Silence, but then I rewatched it and I was like, no, man, he is so good in this movie. And I was just like, and there was something about like these actors and how they really got into it, right? And how just like nowhere else have they been able to like kind of capture this stuff. I feel like the same exact thing happened in Dune with a bunch of these characters, right? Um, Jason Momoa has never been more perfectly Jason Momoa than playing Duncan Idaho, right? Where he is simultaneously like the biggest bro in the room, but also has a really big heart and will sacrifice himself to keep his friends alive, right? Um, uh, Oh, God, I was going to say Justin Rowland. Josh Brolin is insanely good. What was that that character? Gurney Halleck. Gurney Halleck. Gurney? His name is Gurney? Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. He's great in that role, too, right? And, like, and I think Justin Brolin's a very good character, or a very good character actor, right? You know, where, um, you know, he's kind of playing these, like, hard-edged, tough guys in every, you know, like, he, in No Country for Old Men, even as, um, even as sort of, like, Thanos, right? You know, like, um, this is this is his shtick. He is he is great at this, yeah, this, so, this role, right? So, so this, this is, this is, and I don't think this is his fault, but like Gurney Halleck's supposed to be a little bit more of a warrior poet. Like half of what he does in the book is like play a palisade. That's why, that's why Timothy Chalamet, or that's why Paul's like play us a tune, right? Because like, that's also what he does is he like plays songs. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, But you know, and you know, I don't think it's the end of the world that like he is not, you know, 
playing the playing a foul set <laughs> in this movie. But yeah, yeah, and I just think that like this is quintessential Josh. Bro- this is probably the best Josh Brolin performance I can think of because like I think I mean. He's not even on screen that much. I mean, he dies, right? He sort of is implied to die. Uh, oh, he, okay. Well, he, yeah, I would say he's implied to die, and then you find out that he doesn't. At least in the oh, book. Okay. Well, you know, fair enough. But um, but my point is, he's only in like half, you know, like half the movie. The back half of the movie, he's completely gone, right? Um, but you just you get a lot of sense of uh, uh, of like the texture of this character, and he feels at once kind of archetypical, right? Like. You know, I think Aragorn is a lot like this, right? Like that, um, as Aragorn is like the lost prince kind of trope, right? With like the heir to the throne who doesn't necessarily want to the throne, but has to be like convinced into it. Aragorn is that archetype, right? Sort of played dead straight. And I think in a lot of ways he kind of originates that archetype, right? But he's also an incredibly like nuanced version of that archetype. And I got the exact same feel out of Gurney um, just in terms of like, you know, he's definitely like uh he's definitely like a like a hard ass and like hard nosed. But I never got the sense the the easy thing to happen with this kind of character is that he is gonna like butt heads with Leto because Leto's a good guy and he doesn't wanna, you know Gurney wants you to be tough and he thinks being tough is strong or whatever and they and that Leto wasn't tough enough or something like that. And maybe he comes back and does the same. But like you know, but like you respect he legitimately believes in sort of like Leto and how Leto is running the house and is a devotee to that. Even if like he himself is a little too is a little aggressive, right? And isn't quite right. as diplomatic. And all of that came across in like ten minutes of screen time. I, I feel like I could do this for every single fucking character, right? So there's like so much depth and detail just in terms of the the sort of performances that they got out of this that, and this is part of why I'm like I don't want this to be a prestige TV show because I don't think you get those kind that kind of acting on TV no, like so, maybe so, so I will agree on, with you like, like it, the Sopranos first Tony Soprano or like Breaking Bad out of two characters on Breaking Bad or something right but like man I just, I lo- I just like loved it in this movie I, I, so I I I think in in those terms I think I like agree with you it's a, it's a good ad- adaptation right like because like they managed he manages to pack all of that characterization into relatively short amounts of screen time um, so I I will give you that um, like I said the only character I think they did poorly was. Like the only character that I think was was very poorly done was Jessica. Um, like I said, UA also had problems, but it's not a big deal. Um, yeah, every, everyone else I think like they did a good job of kind of like keeping mostly the form. Paul's also a little bit less stoic than he is in the book, but like not the end of the world. Oh really? I really liked Paul. I thought Timothy yeah. Chalamet did a great job. Oh yeah, and no. obviously he's you know one of the best young actors we have working in Hollywood, so. That shouldn't surprise anybody, but he, you know, he nailed it. I also yeah. feel like this is kind of like the first like, um, like genre thing he's done. I like I I'm I'm trying to think like it's not like he's been in fucking Twilight or something, right? Uh, just pictures just came out of him as Willy Wonka, which like he looks. Oh, I forgot about that stupid Willy Wonka movie. Hey, he look he looks pretty good as Wonka, um, like just like visually. Um, okay. Fair yeah. Enough. Paul's also supposed. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah. 2017 was his big year because he was in Lady Bird and Call Me by Your Name, and those mm. were the boat. Those are the. Oh, the was he? Was he the kid? He was he the kid in Call Me by Your Name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was the he was the young guy that was boning Arnie Arby Hammer, who's like hella canceled, right? Is he? Uh oh uh, yeah. Did you did you know this? 
I don't know anything he's about Army Hammer. I, you know, all the only thing I know—I I actually really like Ar- Army Hammer. I think Army Hammer is great um, as an actor, right? He's also in the Social Network as the Winklevoss twins, and he's really good in that. But um, yeah, see, Timothy Chalamet really is—he's in Interstellar for like five seconds as like the younger version of one of the more important older older characters. But this is kind of his first big break into blockbuster filmmaking. Excuse me, I think so. That's yeah. something. Oh, so th- this is this is this is a thing. Just because you reminded me of it, that I think is also bad. But again, like bad bad adaptation thing is the voice. I think the way they made the voice sound was very good, but like the way that the, like the voice is much less. You know, I tell you to do a thing and you do it. It's more kind of like I say a thing that like isn't totally unreasonable, and you're like, yeah, why wouldn't I? And like you know, it is used to like it's instead of being like. Um, you know, like a command to like untie her, right? It's it'll be more like, you know, untie her. And he's like, and it'll be like, okay. And he kind of does it. It's not like a, it's not like a hard command, like like it is in in, in the movie, which okay. bothered me a little bit. I did but. like that. That was something that worked really well in the IMAX, actually. No, I agree. I, think I agree. A lot I agree. Of the sound was great in this movie, just from that I like and that thundering, right? Like I felt you feel it in your bones. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting that it is not. Like, like, I th- should have that sort of function. I think the the audio production for part of it is very good. I just don't think like the act, like the kind of like uh, Im- Im- the implementation, like the the, the implementation is, is is great. It's supposed to be a little bit more like a like a force command, right? Okay. Um, like the force, like 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 Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, capital T, capital F, force. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, force suggestion. Um, in in like in like like you know like in Ben's like you don't need to see our papers or whatever right like it's it's like, it's like that, um, but uh you know, but like like you know it, it's a very pretty movie it just ugh, it was never gonna stack up to the book, it's you know it was impossible it's just like one of those things, one of those things the books are better at um in some ways uh, but it's beautiful it's a very beautiful movie, um very pretty sure, um. Uh, and you know they put some worms in, which is good. And that was—I actually think they did a pretty like they—they they did some like cool wrapping things back in. Like you don't find out that the emperor's house is named Carino until like the second or third book, and because it's not really important. Um, and they bring that in, and like you know they show they like tease the the worm riding. Um, I actually thought they were gonna like like uh, I was. Uh, I thought they were gonna do it. I was pumped for it. I was like, oh fuck, this dude's gonna ride a worm, baby. Let's go. Right. I mean. <laughs> And I also like you know part of that is I th- I think they made Kynes' de- death scene better, um in the mm. in the book, um they basically capture first of all he's a he's a man which is like you know whatever but like, um they capture him and they like throw him on the sand and throw down a thumper, um and it's basically his death scene is him, half delirious arguing with his father in his head, um because in in the book. The um, the eco terraforming thing is a plan is, is a plan that him and his dad come up with, um, not a function of uh, not not something that like like I, which I also think is a better point. Like I I, I think the kind of like you know oh they could like it's ancient machinery or whatever or like so the 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 movie implies that like you know they the Harkonnens were going to make it into a beautiful planet and then they were too greedy and they got the spice in the book it's just like you know. Um, no one knows there's enough water trapped underneath the sand for like that to be a thing, other than like okay. Kynes and the Freeman and the Fremen. Um, 
you know, minor thing, but like, you know, and like I said, I think the death seems ultimately better because it's like shows kinds is more of a, a badass, um, which I think is good. Um, uh, yeah, I also yeah. think that's good. And I also think it was fucking cool. I was like, if that sandworm doesn't eat somebody, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. And it yeah, fucking yeah. ate a bunch of people. I mean, it ate the big crawler, which was obviously, yeah. you know, cool. Like, I liked that introduction of the you know of the sandworm mechanics scene um which i think like i there's there's a lot of there's a lot of that stuff right like this still suit there's a lot of like setup and payoff and it actually reminded me a lot of um mad max fury fury road in this way actually where there's a lot of stuff that's kind of explained or um kind of like teased earlier in the movie and then the thing happens later in the movie and you're like oh that makes sense right the desert walk um the um the sand compactor that he uses, right? Um, when they're when they're in that like under the sand tent thing, um, so like all of that stuff, right? I thought that that had good kind of like planting and payoff. And you know, by the time by the time the end of the movie is rolling around, right? Like it's almost all payoff, right? It's just like knocking down dominoes, which is like that good feeling. Uh, that's like the Mad Max Fury Road feeling, where it's just like all of the stuff that has been is has been setting up is coming to fruition it's like you know what, you know what the feeling is like it is like walking back in like wow to a quest hub and you have 80 quests to turn in and you're just turning in all the quests or whatever it's that kind of feeling at like the end of a movie which i think helps with sort of the the lack of a climax problem where that feeling kind of creates like this ramping thing because in the beginning of the movie you're getting some of these but mostly it's just planting 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 and then as things are paying off kind of one after another right like you it kind of like ups the energy it feels like almost um even if the movie itself on a like a raw plot level isn't necessarily like justifying that right um and i think there is for instance i think that there's a better way that they do um sort of the literalizing of paul killing that guy right as being this kind of climactic moment where he kills the guy he sort of takes a life for the first time and that's the sort of completion of his arc or whatever and we we move into we move into chapter two and that was maybe a little bit more satisfying but you know at the end yeah. of the day no and, and I, I think i think they actually did something like super well there too which is like um i don't know how obvious it it, it, it was um but like the fact that like he kills, um, he kills him instead of being killed, or like the other alternative, which is like he becomes his teacher for the in the desert, right? Like kind of like starts to. So those are the visions that he has. Yeah, right? yeah, right, right. Yeah, okay, and this yeah. this is an important this is an important kind of like thing is that like he can see things that like you know, he he says it kind of outright. He's like, do these things come true? He's like, not exactly, right? Like the fact that like the paths kind of diverge and come back together and like, um. Like the the big thing in the book is like, and this is this is his like freak out in the tent, right? Is like, um, like kind of like this endless jihad that happens, and he's just like trying to like keep it under control so it doesn't go too off the rails, right? Um, and like that's that's like that's like the through line of like the series is like you know is 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 the uh, kind of like eternal the, the eternal jihad that has to be like 
directed in in a way that's like not super destructive and, and that's oh my god that's crazy that's a lot like foundation actually do you know the premise of foundation uh i think you went over it last time but uh why don't you tell yeah, so the, guess again the, the premise of foundation is that there is this new science called psychohistory which is essentially operating on the principle that um like an individual person is quite erratic even when it comes to decision making but the more people you get in a room kind of become it becomes statistically possible to predict their behavior because they become more and more predictable as the size gets greater and greater it's kind of like how you or me might come to individual conclusions about how to vote in an election but nate silver can predict the outcome of an election based on the statistics of whatever this shit is right you know and is and like doing that kind of shit with probability right yeah obviously like, that's like, not like, what nate silver is doing or whatever but like uh, the that's the fundamental principle the, of psychohistory and foundation there's uh like i think i think maybe a, a little bit more concrete example is like once you get above like 30 ish people you get like the chance of you having two people at the same birthday is like very very high even though you wouldn't oh think, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so and so there's this guy Harry Selden who is like the wor the the universe's actually it's just a galaxy the galaxy's foremost expert on psychohistory and he is in I think it's called Tarantis which is like the um, um, the the it's like the uh, the Coruscant right it's this giant planet wide city right um, at the heart of the Galactic Empire and he realizes that the Galactic Empire is teetering on the edge of collapse right it is about to collapse and he does all the psychohistorical math and finds out that there's going to be 30 years of barbar like barbaric bloodshed and war right where just the the galaxy or i'm sorry 30,000 years of barbaric bloodshed and war where the universe is just plunged into raw un unending carnage right um as the empire breaks up into warlords or whatever before truce kind of stability returns and he also does the math to figure out that if there is one group of psychohistorians on the very outer edges of the empire but that can you know like that can influence things right um that they will be able to shorten that period from a thousand years to or from thirty thousand years to one thousand years right and so it is about setting up this group this group is called the foundation by the way it is about setting up this group such that that group can keep the like the the universe from just falling into endless unceasing bloodshed right um, and so that's very similar to Dune, it sounds like, right? Kind of trying to keep the eternal jihad from happening and trying to keep kind of like that collapse, uh, uh, that imperial collapse from happening. So, so the difference here is that it's all on Paul, right? Like, like yeah. Paul sees this and Paul sees that uh, he can like, that like, he can like, like veer into like tyranny or veer into like, you know, like he can also get himself killed, right? But like he can like... Mm -hmm maybe keep things in balance and then in the later books this is like like his son picks it up um and it's the golden path and that's like that's where the weird stuff comes in that's like where like the real weird stuff comes in like this is the, the okay yeah the, something similar happens in, well because foundation because it's a thousand years right no single person is about that so there are you check in with people right so my favorite character is salvor hardin in the first book who is the first mayor of the foundation because the foundation has mayors um 
and uh and Salvor Hardin actually isn't a psycho historian he's just literally a raw politician but he's like smart enough and he tricks the empire into some stuff and is just like a very cool awesome guy so that's why foundation because it takes place over the course of that thousand year gap you check in with a bunch of different psycho historians who are each kind of you know doing their own thing right the second book book is called foundation and empire which is actually my favorite one um but foundation and empire then goes into second foundation which is like a whole nother thing because um because you find out that uh there's one mutant that gets born and psychohistory can't account for anomalies like that, right? So this mutant gets born and he can control minds. Like he can tell you to do a thing and you will do it. And he completely throws the whole formula, the foundation equation that Salvor Hardin made out of whack. And they had to, and then they have to make a second foundation that gets everything back on track. So, uh, this is all the drama, right? But, um, but that's a very, uh, yeah, that's a very like core science, science fiction premise. That uh, I, I think is that, that I think is very cool. I was gonna say like that. So that sounds very similar. To, there's a short Philip K. Dick story about like a uh, like essentially they're doing the same prediction engine thing, right? And like it's basically two sides like building up to war, and like neither one will go until like you know the their readouts say that they're gonna win, and it keeps like teetering mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, and then like like unrelated, a time like like a like a what was it like? They go like like they also are like doing like time research like like there's like people that go back in time and like research things, um and they need it for something so they pull it forward too fast and they end up pulling in like a handyman from like the mid mid ninth or mid twentieth century, <laughs> and like you know people are too, are you know are too like specialized in the far on the far flung future and he can just kind of like jury rig stuff and so like. He like screws everything up, and it's like that's like it's, it's a weird short story. Phil Kim Dick is very yeah. weird. I've, I've been over this. Yeah, before. I mean, Foundation also has that say. It eventually gets a little crazy. I think like the fifth book is called Foundation and Earth, where they realize that they need to find the the birthplace of the Galactic Empire, which is Earth, right? Which obviously you and I understand what Earth is, right? But it's actually kind of funny because it's almost like a um, it's like an archaeology dig. It's like a, like an Indiana Jones movie, but where the subject is the planet Earth, which you and I are very well aware of, right? Like, there's one part where they realize that the thing that was crazy about Earth that they can use to identify where Earth was, was the presence of the moon, right? And how the size of our moon relative to the size of our planet is actually pretty unique, overall right and that could be like a determining factor and so but yeah anyway yeah i guess science fiction stories go off the rails later in their lives who know you know uh, hey hey i've been I've, I've been over i've been on the uh the, you know the mango's iron law of world building any anything yep. that goes on long enough will, will become stupid um absolutely that is the ironclad law of world building i absolutely agree um <laughs> but yeah um uh, okay so, back so to the when movie. it comes to yeah back to dune back to Odd, odd point. Okay, so when it comes to Dune 2, are you, like, hyped for Dune 2? Does Dune 1 give you faith that Dune 2 will be, you know, made well? Like, do you think that the movie will only be complete when you can view the entire thing as one eight-hour epic or whatever it ends up being? I guess it was only two and a half hours. One five-hour epic, right? So I am confident that Dune 2 will be good. But I'm also pretty confident that I will not enjoy it super much um, because of because of my, my hangups about the book. But I uh, guess okay. um, may, maybe it'll be long enough in the future that I'll have forgotten most of Dune. And uh, yeah, I mean they haven't filmed it yet, right? So I think did they, they have they really confirmed. not filmed it. I can't believe they. My have... understanding is they only confirmed that it's happening 
like a couple of days ago. Okay. Right? Where they, I think they greenlit it based on its performance, which you know it did reasonably well. Yeah. Um, this is this is good because like you need a time skip for like, like some point, right? Like because like oh really? Like Paul like goes out into the desert. And it's like a couple years later that like they take they, they okay. take back Arrakis. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of weird stuff that'll happen. Um, Can I just ask a, a really basic world building question? Yeah. How does spice make interstellar travels possible if the only place to get it is Arrakis? They ship it off. And Arrakis. No, 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 no. How did they interstellarly travel to Arrakis to get spice in the first place? I don't think that's ever quite explained. Um, maybe they do it like the slow way first. Um, so, essentially. What it is is that, um, like, the the spice gives everyone a little bit of prescience, right? Like, um, okay. like Paul is very very good at it, right? And he's like exceptional, and that that's why it works out. But like, the navigators, like, basically, it's this is where again things get it weird. Like, you don't really see them for a while, but the navigators basically are like weird, bulbous people that like live in like tanks of spice, and it gives them enough prescience that they can like see like the paths to go without like crashing into anything um so you know how kind of you know how kind of like in star wars you have to like calculate the hyper like no like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you have a computer to yeah you, you have to calculate uh, the the route right this is like the the original in the original kessel run like pre pre uh pre-reset right like you know it's a short distance because he um he he like he kind of like recklessly like makes the jumps without making the full calculations yeah, um, and you are flying. You were flying near black holes. That's the original. Yeah. Kessel Run. Yeah, yeah. This, it it is as short, as close to the black holes as you can without getting sucked in. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's man. But, God. Yeah. What a reference. Yeah. Man, can you? There hasn't been a Star Wars movie since the Rise of Skywalker in twenty nineteen. No, right? there has there is not. There's been um the that's second weird. season of uh of the Mandalorian or the both seasons of the Mandalorian. I guess that's true. Yep, there were both seasons of the Mandalorian. Did you ever even watch the second? I, season? I have not yet. I need to. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> we'll do. I mean, when when the third season starts debuting at some point in the not too distant future, I'm sure we'll do like a catch up episode. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Um, but how do they find yeah. it in the first place? It's I don't. It's not explained in the books. Um, but you know, it's, uh, or it's not explained in the books that I have read so far. Um, oh, oh, look. on that point, my understanding is that AI used to handle that. Right. That would make sense. Spice. Pre, 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 pre jihad. Right. Yeah. That would make sense. Okay, sure. Um, pre Butlerian jihad, which is a different jihad. Um, this is, this is a, a minor quibble, right? Like they kind of, seems like they studiously avoid using the word jihad for the most part in the movie. Um, yeah, I did. I did uh, get the kind of, um. There was a. Um, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of Arabic influence in the book, right? Like a lot of stuff yeah. is like you know, like it's you know, this is this is like a little bit exotic and a little bit mysterious. Right? It's like '60s America, right? Like the, the Herbert's writing for it's like a little bit of Lawrence of Arabia ish, right? Type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> okay, are there any characters in the second book that we haven't met, or the, in the second film that you expect we haven't like met by now? I mean, we haven't really done a lot with Chani. Um, there's also, there's interesting stuff that I don't... Chani is Zendaya, right? Yes, is yeah. Is the girl? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's, uh, how much do you care about spoilers? I don't care about spoilers, and I'm really interested in where this Okay. So, these are, like, very minor things, but, like, um, there's, uh, Paul's sister, who we find out about in this movie, because Jessica's pregnant with her, 
Um, okay. There's um, so this is the thing that I'm almost positive we're going to cut. Uh, Javis has kids and a wife, and by Fremen tradition, Paul inherits them. Um, which uh, yeah. Ooh, that's problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you know, honestly, maybe you could pull it off. The, a similar sort of thing happened in The Last Samurai, right? But where it is less an inheritance and more a, you know, like, you do you you have to do right by the man you killed kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's that, that essentially what it is. But, like, you know, there's also, like, you know, Paul also is with, like, Chenny is his love interest, right? Like, uh. like this, this, is, this is the big kind of political point. Um that like this is he's like a mirror of what happens with Jessica and uh, Leto, right? Like Paul does like Paul eventually gets married to one of the daughters of the emperor, but he doesn't love her and he doesn't care about her. And like this is this is a plot in the set plot point in the second book. Is he like refuses to fuck her and she's like I I, I want a kid fucking like sleep with me and he's like no, Chani is my wife or Chani you are you are only you are only you know my wife because I need to to like you know have a valid claim to the throne. Fuck you. Um, and like like the second book is like a plot to overthrow Paul and it very kind of sort of succeeds. It's 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 you know. It, it 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 starts to get weird, right? Like it, like thing like Dune is a very classic coming of age book in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and like Paul escapes most of Dune, the book intact is like a pretty decent person, and like things very quickly start going weird past the first book. Um, okay, it's still very good, just like you know weird. Um, I have had several people um, uh. Uh, say to me, Lou and uh, and hyperindexed included that like things are not good after the fourth book. But you know, he also like he so Frank Herbert writes six books, and uh, then his son takes he he passes away, and his son starts writing books. And um, the way I've heard it described to me is his son writes it much more like a traditional kind of like action sci-fi, whereas like um, the original Doom books are very cerebral and uh, and like. Like polit- like you know political thrillers and nuanced and like people really don't like a lot of people really don't like the sun's books but okay um, yeah um, uh, so Lou explains uh, uh, discovering spice made space travel fa- safer and faster but they had de- had it before then uh, AI navigators had slower speeds maybe even FTL rather than crazy warp shit yeah like this is this is the thing is like if you read these books you see like kind of like the tendrils of this like you know, like what it inspired, right? Like, like the voice is like the force suggestion, right? Like the, yep. um, the spice is kind of like the warp, right? Like, um, uh, you know, um, all, all this, all this, all this stuff, which is, it's cool, right? Like it's cool, cool to see kind of like, you know, oh, I recognize Honestly, that. Honestly, it, it is cool to see sort of the, the space em- empire like bear fruit in a way. Yeah. Cause like, this is something that was also true of foundation, right? That I really loved was like the, the idea that there's this great, you know, Isaac Asimov wrote that book because he read The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. Like, he read that book, and he was like, wouldn't it be fucking cool to do this in space, right? Um, and it is cool to do that in space, obviously. But, like, in Foundation, you never really get to see the Empire do its thing, I guess, if that makes sense, right? Like, it is just always in a state of collapse because the the book starts with... Salvor Hardin's prediction that there will be 30,000 years of barbarism without the foundation, right? Um, and I almost sort of feel like Dune is almost kind of like an answer to that need that, you know, because foundation is in the 50s, right? Dune is in the 60s. Is that oh, right? that's, in- yeah, that's interesting because like up to four is like up until like, like there is like a similar kind of like collapse that happens around the end of the fourth book. 
Um, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, um, it's called the Scattering. There's there's a whole thing, uh, but that's 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 super interesting, right? Like, um, the fourth book is God Emperor of Dune, which is where I. Th- I think that's where 40k gets the 40k gets it. I also I had really hardcore 40k vibes to be honest. Yeah. Um. And I was thinking about that. And like, it's interesting to me that like 40k and also I've been thinking about this a lot when it comes to Warhammer Fantasy, right? Like, um. This is kind of like a bigger idea or topic or whatever. Okay, so to unpack this a little, something that you'll hear people say about Warcraft, right, is that they wish Warcraft lore was written like Hearthstone lore. Right, because Hearthstone is fun and it's and it's fluffy or whatever. Right, um, and it kind of tells these like very you know like right now it's united in Stormwind, which includes Katrana Prestor, right, who is a Nixia in a human disguise, influencing the five year old Anduin Wren and High Lord Bolvar for Dragon before he becomes the Lich King, all this other stuff or whatever, right? And um, and I had a very popular post on Reddit recently where I kind of said that the reason. The reasons that Hearthstone is successful is because WoW kind of does the groundwork for it, right? You need WoW to sort of break new ground in the story in order for Hearthstone to then go back and sort of remix it, right? So, for instance, one of the core classes in Hearthstone now is Demon Hunter, right? And uh, and the new experiences that there are these ten characters, and there are sort of um, and one of them is named Kurtris Ashfallen, and he's a night elf demon hunter or whatever, and he's kind of part of this core group. And like that's a that's an innovation from Legion, right? Demon hunters were written out of the story as soon as Burning Crusade, and only got reintroduced like way later down the line. So like Hearthstone needs WoW for that kind of thing. But anyway, somebody somebody mentioned Warhammer in that line where Warhammer is a world that doesn't really have anybody like pushing real story forward but the lore is kind of constantly expanding and growing over time right um you know in modern times that is total war warhammer 3 is now putting an army down for kislev it's putting an army down for grant cathay and we're learning all of these interactions of right like the warhammer universe in places that were only like whispers right because there was never yeah there just never was a kislevite army there was never a cathay army we just understood those characters kind of by like mentioned in happenstance and i sort of am interested in that idea right where it's like where do um where does story end and lore begin right if that makes sense yeah no and i kind of almost feel like that that's like a that's sort of like 40k doesn't really have a story but it is a it, it, it does have a lot of lore if that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, I, that's that's super interesting because this is something people talk about because, like, the, the plot barely ever advanced, like, the plot, the main plot, right? Like, the, you know, where you are pres- in the present of the game, right? Like, never really advances because, like, it's not in Games Workshop's interest, right? Because, like, you don't want to resolve anything. You need to leave everything open in. But, like, things yeah. basically expand backwards and sideways, right? Like, you know, like, you get, like, more details of the lore of the past, right? Like, and you get, like, you get stories about, like, you know, the Horus Heresy, but, like, that is more important as its lore than it is uh, as the story of that happening, right? Like the novelization, right? Like the novelization's apparently good to read and fun, but like the important thing is like the lore implications of that, um, which is like on the flip side would be something like, 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 um, like Dune has good story, right? Like you, you can follow like Paul to Leto to, to, um, I don't actually, I'm not sure how, what, what happens past it. Um, Duncan Hydo apparently appears in all six books. Um, oh, this is this is uh, he will probably not appear in Dune two um, unless they change th- something around. But like, it, Duncan Idaho is like the original Boba Fett, 
Speaking of influences, <gasps> um, whoa, yeah, um, uh, it's uh, it gets it gets. Do, do you do you, you want to know? Because it's, sure. it's fun. Yeah. So <laughs> so in the second book, they um, what it's like a new it's it's not a new faction, but like it's new to the to the story faction. Um, I forget what the what the name of them are called, but they they basically make they have Duncan Idaho's body and they make a gola out of him, which is basically like an artificial version of him. Um, okay. And they send him to Paul as part of this plot to um, plot to like overthrow him. Um, and the gola's name is Hate H A Y T, and but it's played as like you know like it's like a double entendre or whatever. Um, and he's like he doesn't have a lot of like his own motivations. But like, or like he, he, he does, but he's like, I kind of sort of remember who I was and I was told who I was, but I'm not him. Right. And then something basically forces him to like, uh, like, you know, take action against Paul. And that's when he like snaps, snaps into, he's like, oh, I remember who I was. And he like snaps back into it. Um, and so he becomes Duncan Idaho again. Um, wow. Okay. So, and then that, then he, that, that particular one goes into the third book. And he dies in the third book. In the fourth book, it is like a like a big time forward, like several thousand years forward, right? Well, and God Emperor of Dune later too, who is like Paul's son, and like at twelve years old, he like slaps a bunch of sandworm, like baby sandworms on him, and becomes a sandworm. It's weird. Um, in that one, he's like become mostly a sandworm. He's the God Emperor of Dune, and he like will every like. 40 years or so, because that's around the time that he needs to replace them, will order a new Duncan Idaho. And they have created fake Pauls to drive the Idahos into this reflex where they remember who they are. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this very, like, 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 you know, emotional moment in the second book where, like, I think it's the second book. Um, where Yeah, it must be the second book. Where he, like, remembers who he is because of his loyalty to Paul. Gets basically, like, mechanized and, like, productionalized in the fourth book. So, like... Have you ever seen... Have you ever seen the Simple Rick uh, episode of Rick and Morty? Uh, I don't think so. I, I stopped watching uh, there's it for a, There's an episode of Rick and Morty where they go back to that, um, that one, like, place where it's all the Ricks and Mortys from all the different universes, right? And it's this, this society. And in that society, there is a... Um, <laughs> there's a factory for a... Like a like a like a like a granola bar, actually more like a like one of those like wafer cookie bar things, right? And is called uh, Simple Ricks, right? Like Simple Ricks wafer cookie or whatever. And there's a commercial that plays like in the beginning of the episode, and the commercial is like, you know, do you ever wish that you hadn't discovered portal technology and gone to different dimensions and instead just stayed home and played with your daughter? Well, we found the Rick who did that. And we extract the juice his brain makes, and it's Simple Rick's juice, and that's what you're, you're eating every time you bite into a Simple Rick, right? <laughs> so they like they like chemically induce this feeling of like being you know being like oh like a simple guy or whatever, and then later in the episode, a factory worker at Simple Rick's decides that his life is fucking bullshit, and he holds Simple Rick hostage, um, and a bunch of Rick police officers show up. And um, 
and this whole thing plays out where he's in a hostage situation he, he's holding simple rick hostage he kills simple rick and he ex escapes in a daring thing because he's finally found freedom but then you find out that no he actually got tasered by the cops and the cops put him in the simple rick machine so now all the ricks can eat the flavor of rebelling against the system and you know like becoming a free person or whatever woof that's that uh that's that, a, that sounds like of. a brazil reference Oh, it actually does sound like a Brazil reference. Yeah, I just like the the idea of like mechanizing, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, emotional moment. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh. But yes, no, it. You know, things get weird at the end of at the end of Dune, and you could keep doing this. You need like a different actor for Dune too. That you need to wait like twenty years for Timothy Chalamet to age up. Um, uh, and but yeah, I think you'd want to just. Get somebody else that way you can keep having Jason Momoa being Duncan Idaho. Um, uh, I don't know. I kind of yeah. expect I kind of expect them to like turn this into a cinematic universe, which at that point it might be a problem. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if they like. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe they don't do a second movie or a second. You know, not a second movie, but like a the second book and the third book. Because the second and third book you can kind of do as one continuous thing. Um, okay. That are doing it as same th like two parts like two movies, right? Like you don't need as much, um, like obviously you, 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 you don't get as much depth, but like it kind of like, they kind of, I think the second and third books only work as a pair. Like, I don't think, I don't think the second book is very good until you get to the third book and you get the reflection. Um, but yeah, maybe that's just me. Um, but yeah, okay. but yeah, that's, uh, you have anything else you want that's to say about Dune? Uh, I just want to say that Denis Villeneuve bats a thousand. This dude doesn't miss, which is crazy, right? You know, even, um, I don't know, even like the best directors out there that I can think of, like the best modern directors we have working have had duds, right? Have, and have had things that I just don't think are, like, just don't work. Um, and it's nuts that he's killing it every single time, every single time. And maybe the part of this is, um, I, th I, th I think part of this is that Dune is also my kind of story, right? It's very melodramatic. It's very over the top. It's very scenery chewing, mm -hmm. you know, like the, all of that kind of stuff, right? It is, there is no lack of sincerity. There is not a single line in here that is like the typical making fun of, you know, Snark. making fun of the source material line. Like, yeah. there's no Marvel humor in this or whatever. And I just, I like, and this is, it's just played dead straight. It's just, and, and that's the kind of thing that will, like, obviously, um, I don't know, appeal to me. I think, I think we're moving uh, back into that, like, as like a, as like a society, I think we're moving back towards earnestness, right? Like, a, yeah. you know, like, oh, I read a review. I, I shouldn't have done this because I haven't. Oh, is it Eternals? Yeah, I read a review of Eternals about this very thing, which I'm sure we will talk. Is that next week or is it it's the weekend? soon? It's like it's like early November. Holy oh. fuck! It is so. Yeah, it is next Friday. Oh. Uh, I think it's Eternals and The Matrix on the same day. I think one of Ma which I care a lot about. Matrix is Matrix is December, isn't it? Is it? I thought Matrix was I, also November. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I could be wrong about that. There's, I think there's there is another movie in there somewhere. Um uh matrix for nope you're correct december 22nd wow i guess i just completely fucked up i thought that was just i also thought i thought internals and matrix were coming out the same day so I so I, I have an idea i'm gonna pitch this okay. right now i say sure. december is matrix month and we do all four matrix movies in december <laughs> okay i'm down for that i i oh, man i i recently watched a video essay on the matrix sequels uh i may have talked about this last time i watched a video yeah. essay on the matrix sequels and 
it was it was like uh, the matrix sequels are good actually but i feel like they were like wrong about everything and but but like i still do believe the matrix sequels are <laughs> really good but it was just like frustrating to see somebody making your point but like in a way that i think is oh, kind yeah. of bad yeah no i you know it's it's uh, there's or you know i don't want to say kind of bad just that it was um I don't know. Like what it, it was it was made by these two trans YouTubers and so it was all about sort of the trans experience, right? Like one of the points that they made is that actually Neo and Trinity's relationship is a lesbian relationship and that Neo is coded as female. And I was just like, "What? Are you kidding?" Right? Like, I know. 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 I, know. <laughs> I was just like, I was sitting there. I was like, how can we possibly be doing this right now? Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so, um, but just to kind of, like, close out the Dune stuff before we get into our weeks, um, I would recommend to people at home that if you really like this movie, um, like, I think it's a good movie, um, don't read the book until the second movie comes out. Um, because, okay. like, you know, and then go read the book. It's a very good book. But uh, preserve your innocence um, uh, just because, like, I like I wish I could view it without, like, the it's not really the baggage, but, like, knowing the book and liking the book so much. Um, and then you could go back and read the book and really enjoy the book because you'll be, like, you know, going from one to the other. And you'll have, like, these – like, I there's also, like, little stuff that, like, is, like, weird in here, right? Like, I, like – like, these are very minor niggly complaints, right? But, like um, – I listen to them on Audible, and the Audible people pronounce "seech" "ch," and so like that's just like a th like that's not a that's not a criticism mm. of the movie. That's just like a thing that like bothers me. Um, sure. And this is really nitpicky, but like they call like like in the movie they call it the desert walk. It's walking without rhythm, which I like much more as a much more poetic way of saying it. And like you know, again, not a thing that I'm like willing to like you know fucking you know burn down the movie over, but like it's like, eh. but like it's a thing you can appreciate again. When it's when it's over, um, but I, I would say I would, I would if, if for people at home wait until the second movie comes out, watch the second movie and then read the book. Um, okay, sounds good. Um, and if you can't wait, I would say read all the way through God Emperor of Dune um, because uh, that's what I did and I think it's good. And uh, you'll be able to like see like at that point you get like the little things I think right. So, um, all right. Well, so how was your week? What else did you do besides? Uh dune i guess your week was super busy right it's two, well it's been two weeks um oh god you're right that's true uh so on the, on the plane i i had to fly to san francisco and back i played a bunch of metroid dread oh well first i um oh, how was that uh for, let me talk about another game i played and i played it in beat which did not beat dread i played a little game called behind the frame on my cell phone <gasps> Um, which was <laughs> it's not a bar game for people who, who, don't, who don't know um it was mm. very good um uh, it is very, 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 very pretty. It is, like, gorgeously animated. Um, it is... Um, I was... My initial thought was, like, it's it's short, right? It's, like, a, it's a puzzle mm -hmm. adventure game. Um, and I, like, it's... it's In kind of, like, the games as consumer product model, it's maybe a little um, on the smart side for that. But the more I think about it, the more I like how clever it is. Um... I think part uh, that was the thing for I, okay. So uh, when we were first signing behind the frame, what we do right whenever whenever we're thinking about designing a game, we'll demo what they have right and kind of give feedback right. And so I played through the first like chapter or whatever it's called of behind the frame, which was all they had done at the time, 
and uh, and I was really mean. I was like, oh, this is so like it's it, i know exactly where this is going it's super predictable the puzzles are incredibly easy or whatever else and i was like really i was like really mean to this game and then um and then they came back like two months later and they said okay well here's actually the full experience right it's probably buggy it's not polished but it's content complete right and uh and we were like okay well we'll play through it again and i played through it the second time and i was like i thought i knew where this was going it was not going there at all are you kidding i was so wrong and it was like a really nice feeling actually to be kind of like bamboozled in that way and it was also i didn't quite have a you know when i played the first chapter right you don't quite have a sense for how the puzzles kind of grow on one another which is really fun and i got into it so i the second time i played through i was like oh wait this is actually awesome and it's slam dunk but it was pretty funny how you know how negative i was the first time i played behind the frame and it's like you know i don't i don't want to say too much about it because like the the kind of like way the story goes is one very beautiful two very heart touching and three very clever very very clever like 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 you like at some point i was like like i was like i think i know where this is going and then like it's like i guess maybe not and then like when like it took me a little while to like get the whole thing to dawn on me like oh that's what and it's it is it is it's pretty great i i can recommend it with like like without res like again again like on the consumer model part like the deal like the only thing that it's like you know it's not a long game so if you like you know need to ration your if game you really like, value your five for ten bucks or whatever it is. yeah if, if you need to rush if you need good dollar to to our um ratio maybe this isn't it but like you know i I think it's worth. I think it's worth you know skipping a couple of Starbucks coffees for, if that makes sense. Or you know, what was yep. your thing? You know, skipping like eating ramen out of the you know dollar ramen instead of like getting lunch at a you know at the cafe or whatever. Like absolutely, I, yep. <laughs> I, I think I think it's worth that level of sacrifice. Um, and yeah. well done, excellent, excellent job. Um, okay, and then you played Metroid Dread. Yes, I played. I've played a bunch of Metroid Dread. Um, by my hearing of discussions, I think plot wise, I'm like. Two thirds to seventy five percent of the way through it. Um, I could okay. be wrong about that. Um, and it's a it's a very good Metroidvania, right? Like it is a um, it's a great Metroid game. Um, it kind of ticks all the boxes. The only thing that bothers me a little bit is um, is the loading times are, are a bit long. So if you're like going between um, between zones, there's like a good like feels like thirty seconds or so at least um, to load between zones and like in this kind of these kinds of games where like you know you need to go back and like you know go through areas that up um go through areas that you that you went through before um and like use your unlocked powers on them if you, it can be a little infuriating at times especially if like you know you go to do something you realize you have to go back it's like you know it's like back-to-back -back loading screens are not great but um you know um otherwise i think i think it's great um it's it's just a very solid uh solid metroid game um controls are tight um uh, there's, there's a couple of little, like, like the angled shooting is like not a thing I'm, I, I'm easy. It's like, I have trouble like doing like, like you need, sometimes you need to do like three or four things at once. And I don't always get my hands right on that. And I think it's a little bit overloaded. Um, like you can like aim while you're running, but like it's the left stick to, it is like. Oh uh, yeah. I know. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. It is. It's tough. I played, I played a game recently like that. It was a, a precision platformer. Show not name because I am about to roast it. Uh, it was it's a pr precision platformer, and one of the mechanics is 
you you so you you have jump right and then you also have attacks right and so you have a sideways attack an up attack and a down attack and the down attack is kind of like a spike in like smash brothers right and um and one of the core mechanics of the game is that you can bounce off of spikes by down attacking them right so you down attack spike you go bounce 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 otherwise you hit the spike and you die and there are parts in the platforming where you have to chain these down attack bounces to move forward right but the thing is is that the game doesn't know like the game doesn't recognize momentum unless you are holding the left stick to the right right which you also like if you if you stop holding the left stick you immediately lose your momentum even if you're in the middle of an like the middle of the air right which is a huge problem because when you need to trigger the bounce right you need to, you need to do a down, down attack yeah. and then you need to move to the right to the right again right and so like you sometimes get in these situations where like the bounce you're you're trying to do the bounce but then you're just doing a sideways swipe because you're not quite like you're, down, you're down right and like you're not quite down enough to get yeah, a trigger. or or and this is the one that killed me is you execute the bounce right but you don't have enough rightward momentum that you can complete the jump in whatever and it's just like i wanted to rip my eyeballs out i fucking hated it it was like the worst experience but i think those kinds honestly those kinds of mechanics issues um like controls issues have definitely sank games for me before so yeah i feel that and i feel the frustration and it's not terrible in trend i do i don't want to be like this is like a deal breaker or whatever it's just like there's like sure. like one boss fight in particular that i'm thinking of it's like you need to like do like two or three mechanics in sequence and it wasn't too bad like once i had done it a couple of times it was like the first couple it's like oh i need to like do this like i need to do these three things and like if i press one button wrong and think the thing will go off wrong and like the the timing window will, will like close um uh and like you'll have to like do do a cycle again on the boss which um wasn't too bad um but you know it's 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 just tough um uh, but it's it's a very good game very very good game um the other uh, well why don't you talk about some of the stuff that you did and i can talk about the other stuff later man i feel like i've done a lot well so the big thing that came out is hearthstone mercenaries right which debuted two weeks ago at this point which is the uh like the warcraft gotcha game that's it's it honestly it feels like pokemon to me right like it just feels uh like it it's it's a little bit simpler than pokemon in the sense that um you know, you don't have any overarching narrative, really. Like, there is a, a narrative, but, like, mostly it is just going kind of fight to fight to fight. There's no overworld or moving through anything or anything like that. Um, and then you're obviously, you're getting your guys, and you're leveling up your guys, and you're doing doing your stuff with your guys. But it is kind of, like, just the perfect game. I, I said this is the perfect game to disassociate to, which is, like, very true. And has completely replaced New World, actually, in that vein, right? Where, where I spent a bunch of time in New World just, like, sitting there fucking farming trees and watching number go up i am now doing that exact same thing but in mercenaries watching number go up as i am uh, you know progressing through these uh these bounties there's a little bit of a pvp mode actually not even a little bit there's a lot of a pvp mode i just don't touch it i i i don't know i would be happy to i guess and i kind of want to like get in there at some point but i've read a lot of um it honestly kind of got super meta ties because there's already a really good structure for like defining a meta in hearthstone when it comes to the the card game obviously right so the mercenaries meta kind of got solved immediately it feels like on day one um which like immediately turned me off to playing that game mode um though 
I'm sure it's good stuff. I hear from people that it's good stuff and that it's fun. Uh, though people are really mad because Blizzard nerfed a way that people were just like sitting there and fucking hard grinding uh, like missions to upgrade their guys or whatever. Um, which I don't know. That was that was funny. But um, other than that. I've been playing a lot of WoW, a lot of Vermintide. I've gotten back into Total War Warhammer 2 because Total War Warhammer 3 content is now being uh, is like now being dropped. Yeah, Nature Chain is my perfect life, the combo life. I have seen that. It's the it's it's Malfurion Brucon um, Guff, right? That's like the really powerful opener. I've seen people do that on Twitter. There's a lot of like just wrecking people with that nature combo. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, that stuff. I'm, I, I gotta say one thing. I am insanely pumped for Warhammer 3. Like, the stuff that they're releasing now, which is, like, very specific, like, campaign mechanics of the different factions, um, is really interesting. And I think that, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to say this, but I feel like they're successfully one-upping Total War Warhammer 2, which I felt was honestly, like, pretty pushed at like at the end of it right but they're doing this thing with um so for instance they just revealed uh Sinch's, um campaign mechanics Sinch is famously the the chaos god of like deceit and trickery and manipulation right um and Sinch, his whole thing is that you can basically force other factions to do things diplomatically that they would otherwise not do right like and you can kind of spend a currency in order to make moves on their campaign map which is like maybe the most insane thing i've ever seen in a 4x game ever in my entire life that sounds like, like it'd I be can, super hard to balance i i imagine it will be hard to balance yeah so there's like that you can force an you can force one army to go to you can force one faction to go to war with another faction and then tell one of their armies to attack one of the other faction cities and you can do just like all of this kind of stuff with like break it you can force two different factions to break alliances you can force one faction to lose a settlement and have that settlement go to another faction it's i don't know man it's crazy that that that, that does that's like seeing she's is is my favorite chaos god um uh, so like that that sounds nuts. I would I would love to give that a trip. I like I, I don't understand like how how they're gonna do that. But... I, I imagine that the balance is gonna be the currency, right? That you're gonna need, and I think it's also locked behind technology. So like you research certain technologies, and you have to spend a certain amount of currency in order to activate the thing, um, which is you know whatever. I mean it's funny because uh, you know I actually predicted a, a Skaven mechanic a long time ago when in the Total War Warhammer one days. I talked about, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if the Skaven had a thing where, you know, they could go into a movable ambush stance, right? Where they run around and they can ambush somebody, you know, uh, in in battle. And I, I remember I, I, like, I looked at that thread, which is like five years ago at this point. I looked at that thread and everybody was like, oh, that'd be so broken. That'd be so OP. There'd have to be all of these modifiers. And we were all like, yeah, you know, you wouldn't be able to do this. You'd have to have that, you know, like all this stuff. And then Total War Warhammer 2 launches with that mechanic and none of the punishments, right? It is just that good, right? Like, if your ambush, if you pump your ambush success chance, every time you fight an enemy army in the field, it's gonna be an ambush. That's just how it works. Which, like, honestly, feels good. I guess it's because it's a single player game; it can kind of get away with it. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm surprised to hear Siege is your favorite. Well, like, why? Uh he's, he's like the justice plan guy. 
don't know. He's uh. I okay. I guess that's he's fair. fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. like also like who else would it be? Right, like. I, I've always loved corn. Okay. Blood, they released the corn, uh, the corn mechan- campaign mechanics today. The the reason I love corn honestly is because in the very first introduction to the Warhammer universe, which was uh, a WFRP Warhammer Fantasy roleplay game, um, the whole purpose of that right was like you were discovering this cult of corn that was like secretly in Middenheim, right? Like this one. Um, imperial city or whatever and there was one moment that i thought was really fucking funny where our characters like infiltrated a shrine to corn underneath this like whatever this place or whatever and um and this was all being run out of a book and our gm showed us the book and in the book there's a there's a trap that goes off and the trap went off and it and it hit it hit us for a gazillion damage right warham is a very brutal system when it comes to this <laughs> and he's like they included this note in the book and i'm like who the fuck would do this and the note was because it's a shrine to corn when you're on the stair when you're on, essentially in the square before entering the shrine you have to utter a small prayer to corn in order to cause the trap not to go off so like you have to walk into the shrine and go blood for the blood god skulls for the skull throne right but like no like why would they even include that nobody would ever do that right and uh and ever since then corn has always been my favorite chaos god just because i honestly think blood for the blood god and skull from skull th- skulls for the skull throne is a really baller thing to say and he's just a badass and all of his guys are badasses and that's sweet that's fun milk like, for the cornflakes um <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah milk for the cornflakes <laughs> What was that? What was it? The thing that Kyle tweeted me: "Poo poo pee pee for the poo poo pee pee monster." Yeah, I mean that that feels like the type of thing that you would put in the in the description. So like, it's like a a diegetic explanation as to like why like it doesn't go off for yeah. like the people, right? So like, yeah, I mean it is it is like a nice little note, but it's just ah, oh, it's just funny. God, man, I, I, yeah, the, the, the corn campaign mechanics in Warhammer 3 are also, like, honestly a little bit nuts and sort of brutal. Um, his unique resource is just skulls, right? Uh, but corn's thing is he can, yeah, right? He can, like, order things to, so when, when corn raises a city, he creates a new army called a blood host, which is just, like, a ravenous army that can't replenish and that goes and just fights shit all on its own but you can obviously chain that together because when a blood host army raises a settlement it creates another blood host army right and you can apparently get in these chain reactions where your main army creates a blood host and that thing immediately goes and it creates a blood host and, the, and it's just like going and spawning these armies of like cornite guys or whatever doing all this stuff there's a thing with corn where he can just straight he can he can get into a stance right you you take your army you walk into a territory and you enter a stance where you don't move for a few turns. You just have to stay still. And after a couple of turns, the settlement just blows up and a, and a blood host army spawns. <laughs> you just like auto raise, you know, auto raise the settlement, which is, which is nuts. And there's also that- crazy teleportation bullshit as well. Because um, one of the mechanics for chaos is you can create cults in um, cities of you know like enemy factions a, a, in a dwarf city right i can i can make a cornite cult and you can make buildings with that or whatever and one of the corn buildings is like the grand arena and a corn army can teleport to any city that has a grand arena in it and attack it not for free but for currency right so it's just like it's just about fucking dudes up 
What's what's not to love? No, that makes sense. Um, that's not like it sounds like they attempted to do like WA 2.0 because they had to like pretty heavily modify the original WA mechanics for the orcs, right? Like, yeah, the new WA mechanic is not, and it, it is actually pretty cool because they have changed the way that these different factions all kind of experience that same kind of aggression, right? Like the WA is targeted, right? You say this is a WA on Altdorf, and now you have 20 turns to go march your massive orc WA across the empire raising everything until you get to altdorf and you raise it or you sack it or whatever else i think you have to sack it actually in order to end the wall um and then the beastmen also have something like that but the beastmen's thing is herd stones right so the beastmen go to uh like a province they destroy a settlement in that province and and create a herd stone right um which is almost like a settlement, but not really. It's really just kind of a, a big garrison, right? Um, and then all of the adjacent prov settlements, you you then go and you beat them up and you raise them to the ground. And once all of them are raised, you could you do this like blood ritual or whatever, which just forever locks them until the herdstone is destroyed. It forever locks them into this like state of being raised and full of chaos, corruption, and all this other stuff. And so it's like it's kind of nice that. Even though Corn and um, you know Norska and the Orcs and uh, the Beastmen are all kind of doing the same sort of thing, right? Like raising and sacking and just like running over settlements. They're all doing it with like little different flavors of that um, on like the big campaign map. Yeah, very cool. Um, Honestly, I'm just sad it's not coming out this year mm -hmm. anymore. Rest in pepperonis. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. All right, well, a couple other things I did that I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, yep. I read on tape, again, uh, another Philip K. Dick book, Flown by Tears, the Policeman Said, which is another weird, weird Philip K. Dick book. I recommend it, but, like, it is it is not as good as they think as either uh, Clans of the Alphane Moon or the Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch or the previous ones I, wrote, I read. Um, but it is interesting. Um, uh, it's basically about, like, it is it is in the, the future. Um, basically, basically, like, America's, like, a police state. But, like, this guy who's, like, a famous TV star wakes up one day, essentially... Um, and he's like not famous anymore. Like no one recognizes him, and they can't. And he can't figure out why. Um, and the reasons why are, are like it, it, you just kind of like follow your way through the society. And it's just like weird stuff happening, right? Like the arc isn't particularly good <laughs> um, as an arc. It's just like like interesting thought experiments. Um, but I'd, I'd recommend giving it a read. Um, the other like two two more quick things. I watched a forty minute video about how many Super Mario Brothers games there are. I'll put a link in the description to it um, because it's like much more compelling than I expected it to be. Because um, <laughs> it's like okay, it, it's essentially he th this guy his name is John Masali, um, uh, who did like he basically did a survey on like of people because it's like the it's how many Super Mario games there are right so like and it's like basically kind of like trying to get consensus about what counts right because like. You know, like for a good, a big example, like most people don't count, say, like Mario Party or Mario Kart, right? Um, uh, and like there are like less people, like there are more people that count like the Paper Mario games, but most people don't still there because like they're not core Super Mario games. I'm um, like, there's like this weird thing where like some people count Super Paper Mario because it is kind of like a side scroller. 
Um, but he goes through like the differences in all the games. I found it very compelling because like the only the, the three that have like the most consensus are one, three, and world, and everything else has like much less consensus around it. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting kind of exploration. Um, uh, and then the other big thing is this is this is semi breaking news is action button review cyberpunk 2077 premieres oh i have been following the drop yeah because like wait, it took wait, him did, like did it a premiere date it's tomorrow um because like it took him like a week to export the fucking thing <laughs> like um here, me... yeah i followed the export and then he said and then he got it into youtube but it wasn't processing to 4k yeah, it, it, this is really funny and then he wasn't processing the 4k and he wasn't going to release it at like a lower resolution or whatever and yeah. everybody got really angry at him Oi, so it uh it um it premieres tomorrow at six p.m. at twitch.tv slash uh, six p.m. Eastern at, uh, at twitch.tv slash action button, um and if it's as long as anything else, uh, we won't be able to watch the whole thing before right? So yeah, wow. <laughs> um, uh, it present this is this is he 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 did it in like the yellow square style that like Cyberpunk did its announcements in. Uh, premiere ten twenty six twenty twenty one. Tune into twitch.tv slash Action button at 6 p.m. Eastern for a special premiere of the first episode of the review. After the review in its full form goes public on YouTube.com slash action button. YouTube gave me some problems. However, the review is now safely uploaded and processed. It possesses a special structure I dare not spoil. So please allow me to, uh, the opportunity to premiere it properly. I might see if I can check in for just the premiere part of it. Because um, this is the first episode of the review. And if you remember, he had, he had like... Like his his previous reviews are like in like like they have like an episodic even though it's all one video. Yeah. Um. So maybe I'll maybe I'll tune into that. That is uh, that's super interesting. Um. So I'm I'm excited. That's like that's like I've been waiting I'm all month. I'm also super excited. I haven't even touched Cyberpunk, you know. And yeah. I'm super excited. Uh. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that. Um. Now that I'm done pimping out somebody who has much more who you know who who has many more followers than we than we do. Um. Uh, do you have anything else you want to promote before we get out of here? I am going to be streaming this week, which is a little bit of an off stream. I'm going to be doing Darkest Dungeon 2 on Friday. Uh, Miguel is out, and so I'm just taking over his indie investigations. And fucking Darkest Dungeon 2 is coming out. And I guess I'm finally going to break my Sabbath, because isn't it only available on the Epic Store? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna break my... Not Sabbath. What did I say? Sabbath. You said Sabbath, which is not the right word. Yeah. Uh... Which is not the right word. Um... I don't know what I'm, my my moratorium, moratorium on, yeah. on 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 getting anything from the uh, from the Epic Store to finally get Darkest Dungeon two and play it. I've played. I actually haven't played all that much Darkest Dungeon one. If I'm being completely honest, like I did not get super insane into that game. Like I loved my time with it, but I think you know, like I'm just gonna look it up now. I probably only have like ten hours or something, right? Like, do you do you do you, do you guys put out stuff on Epic Game Store? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Mintesioni is on the Epic Game Store. I'm pretty sure. God, where the fuck is Darkest Dungeon, you guys? Uh, okay, yeah, I have 15 hours played in Darkest Dungeon, so... That's, like, yeah. nothing for you. That's, like... Yeah, like, that's like this is this baby mode yeah. in terms of, uh, in terms of games that I have, that I have put, like, hours and hours into, but, um, I really enjoyed my time with Darkest Dungeon 1, and, uh, and I'm excited to see what the second one is like, because the second one is a road trip. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, neat and interesting. Yeah, similar but different. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, well... Um, if you'd like to, to, uh, do stuff, 
with this show, which I can't remember what I usually say. Um, you can watch this, or if you want to email us and tell us what you think about thought about doing or any other things we talked about on the show, you can email us at somedirtsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at somedirtsplaygames.com. You can follow us on twitch.tv slash somedirtsplaygames where these episodes go out live. You can um, follow us on YouTube and uh, all the other stuff. Like or This goes out natively on SoundCloud. Um, it's in every podcatcher. Rate and review us on iTunes. Um, uh, we have a Patreon, too. Um, teleprompter fail. It happens. I get it. Um, funnily <laughs> enough, I have never done this as a teleprompter. I just always kind of remember it, um, which is like, you know, it's, it's amazing. We've made it six years. By the way, two weeks ago was our six-year anniversary, um, which yeah, I'm going to bring fuck, up. Yeah, holy fuck, right? Um, uh, which means that the 300th episode is coming up soon, um, at which point we will be asking you all for your questions. So start thinking about questions. Uh, this is episode 293, I believe. So um, seven more episodes until the, the, the big three hundo. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, I'm going to say with that, um, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.